Last week was our children's program, but the week before that and the week before, we were looking at this same passage and just a little short review. If you recall, Simon didn't understand what was going on. He couldn't completely understand. And he said, but because I trust you, Lord, I'm going to let down my net. I don't know the outcome. He had no clue of what the outcome was going to be. And the good news from that is for all of us that whenever we obey the Lord, we don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. The outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is ours. And our prayer for the last few weeks has been, Lord, help me trust you even when I do not understand. Now, what I promise you is that in some ways, and somehow, the Lord will invite you to trust him. You may have had these experiences in the past. You have, whether you've acknowledged them or not. Let's put it that way. What you'll discover is that big miracles awful, often follow simple acts of obedience. Um, and uh, the thing is, is what, in fact, I want to share a story with you uh, real quickly. Um, I have a new friend, and as we were getting to know each other, I asked him about uh, how, about his ministry and about how he got started and he shared this with me and he gave me permission to share it with you. He says it was in 2012 in the fall when I was out cutting down dead ash trees that Jesus came uh, unto me. He said I had a very tall ash tree about 75 or 90 feet tall that I had cut nearly all the way through with my chainsaw and it would not fall over. After about an hour of more cutting and cursing and pushing, trying to rock that tree past its center of gravity so it would fall, I put my left hand on the tree and in desperation said, Jesus, I don't know if your Bible is true or not, but it says somewhere that whatever I ask for in your name, you'll do. Well, I need help getting this and I said no more. The tree started to pull away from my hand. I was looking downward while I was speaking. I quickly looked up and saw the tree starting to fall. I jumped back and moved off to my left to get out of the way of the tree fall. I turned around after moving just three paces away and looked back at the tree and saw that the tree was going to hit my tractor and trailer. Without thinking, I put uh, my arms up as if reaching for the tree and said, wait, wait, wait. Now, the tree was 75% of the way to the ground when it stopped falling in midair, reversing its motion. It stood back up onto its cut base as if it had never moved at all. In that very brief encounter with Jesus, I learned the Bible is true. Jesus is true. And what is recorded in the scriptures as being what he said is true. Because once that tree did what it did, 
I had answers to each statement I made when I first put my hand on the tree and said, Jesus, I don't know if your Bible is true or not. Do you understand? I pray you do. This is such an unusual story, and it took me years to come to grips with it, that I don't find fault with anyone who does not believe it. Jesus did this to me and to no one else. No one was there to witness the event. And I know now that it would not have made any difference if someone had witnessed the event. For those who will not believe would not believe two people, even as they won't believe one. Now, here is the clincher for me. Every story in the Bible is now true. Every story I once took as a story is now no longer a story, but is truth. For I cannot find any way to explain my tree that will make the event true to other people as if they had seen it with their own eyes type of true. And therefore, I know the writers of the scriptures could only do their best to write out what happened to them. Whether I believe it or not about their writing skills, it is about me. And if I cannot explain what I saw, touched, said, and did, then I now know I cannot explain the other stories in the Bible either. I can today easily reject every claim made by man concerning God, Jesus, my Lord, and Scripture when they say the Bible is not true. I know they know not what they are doing. Well, that was a, that's just one account. And God's got a real good way of getting you off by himself where you can share the story, but nobody saw it but you. I mean, look at Moses in that burning bush. You know, nobody was around. Uh, that happens so often that he just gets you. And like Peter, he, with, with Peter, he used a bunch of fish. And that spoke to Peter's heart. With this gentleman, he used a tree. And that spoke to his heart. He has a way of finding exactly what's going to get you where you live to let him know that it's of him and uh, that he's talking to you and that this is for you, not somebody else. Well, he will invite you to trust him. And um, what you'll discover is, like I said, Miracles often follow simple acts of obedience. Now, this guy, he didn't understand the Bible. That was a part of his concern. He didn't understand it, but he remembered that it said something. And so in obedience to the word that he didn't understand, he asked. And that's one of the things that Jesus has commanded us to do. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. In his own simple and childlike way in that moment, he asked for help. And in that obedient moment, the Lord let him know a lot of stuff, didn't he? 
You don't have to understand completely to start obeying immediately. And sometimes even in our obedience, we may not get it right, but the Lord honors it if he knows we're trying. I have another dear friend who's now gone on to be in the presence of the Lord. Years and years ago, his wife was deathly ill as he was just coming to know uh, the Lord and, uh, and to study the Bible. And his wife, Marcia, was so sick. And uh, he read in James where it says to call the elders of the church together and uh, to, to anoint the one that was sick with oil. And he said, so, well, I'm the elder in this household and I need to anoint my wife with oil. Now, this is a good old East Texas boy, grew up in the oil patch. And uh, whenever you read the Bible, anoint someone with oil and you have no idea about what that means, what do you do? He looked around, he couldn't even find any uh, cooking oil. And then he remembered. He went out, raised the lid on his truck, pulled out the dipstick, and he went back in and he anointed his wife with oil from the dipstick. And you know what? She got well. The Lord healed her. But he tried you know, he, he did the best he could to follow what the Bible said, and the Lord honored that. You don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. Jesus tells us that we should be like little children. In fact, that was one of the first things that got my attention was whatever I remember brought, the Lord just brought to mind. Unless you become like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. And I saw that one of the things that he meant by that was that uh, I was one that wanted to analyze everything. And I had to understand it completely and give a scientific explanation for everything. That was my job was to uh, find out uh, in the claims field what caused accidents. How did they happen? Was it uh, somebody's negligence? Was it uh, uh, just an act of nature? Was you know, whatever you know? But I had to dig down, and, and I love my job because I love digging into and understanding. And here's he, here he is telling me I need to be like a little child. Quit time trying to figure it out and just do it. And so, then my first question then was uh, okay. So how do I do this if I don't really believe? I'm just going to act as if I believe and we'll see what happens. And sure enough, the moment I said, OK, I'm just going to act as if this stuff in the Bible is true and we're going to see what happens. And immediately things began to happen. And so you see, I didn't have to understand completely. I just had to commit to start trying to do what I already knew the Lord wanted me to do as it came up. And you, Jesus, he just says, verily, I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter therein. Children accept what their parents say and they live out of it. They do what they do because they trust their parents. They trust their parents because their parents have made it clear that they have their best interest at heart. And that's how we know we can trust the Lord. 
because he has let us know in so many ways he has our best interest at heart. The cross is the biggest uh, announcement that he has our best interests at heart. This is what Peter did. You see, you see, even though children may not understand, they obey because they trust. Peter just went ahead and he obeyed, even though he didn't understand. In Luke, immediately following Jesus' statement about, uh, unless you become like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven, a guy comes running up and he says, Master, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? Have you ever noticed the proximity of the story of the rich young ruler to Jesus' statement about uh, entering the kingdom of God like a little child? And here we wind up with this rich young ruler wanting to know he's been religious. He's done all the religious stuff. He asked the Lord, asked, well, you know, the command. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've kept those from my from my youth up. I've kept those. And it says that Jesus looked on him and he loved him. And then he said, one thing you lack, go sell all you have, give it to the poor and then come follow me. And the young man could not obey. It made no sense to him. And so he walked away. He had that moment. He had that moment when he could have just like Peter and uh, his, his, his fishing partners. He could have, they could have left. He could have left it all and followed him, but he didn't do it. Did he? He turned around and he walked away. And so uh, it's, it's sad what can happen if you have to understand and if it has to make sense to you. But the thing is, it's not a matter of understanding. It's a matter of just doing. You see, Jesus invited the young ruler to trust him and he couldn't do it. We see this in the story about Peter. He says, hey, put down your nets, let down for a catch. And Simon says, okay, we're going to trust you. And the scripture says, when they had done so, they caught a large number of fish, so large that their nets began to break. And they came and filled the boat so full that they began to sink. Lord, help me to obey you, even when I don't understand. Yeah, I love this. Simon obeys and he lets down his net, and he's so surprised when something very, very positive happens, isn't he? He wasn't expecting this, and it was exceedingly abundantly more of what he could have ever done if he'd just been out fishing by himself. And this showed him something about the Lord. All of a sudden, he realized, oh my gosh, this Jesus, this Jesus guy, he's not just a rabbi. He's the Holy One of God. And Peter falls down in his presence and he says, Get away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful person. I'm not even worthy to be in your presence. And here's what Jesus said. If you could imagine his love, he says to Simon, Hey, Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to be fishing for people. From now on, what you've done with your whole life is going to, uh, I'm going to use those same skills 
but I'm going to give you an even higher calling. I'm going to broaden your vistas. And so what happens? It says next that they pulled up their boats on shore. I want to watch the, watch, watch this. Watch what they do. They pulled up their boats on the shore. And then what did they do? Did they leave some things? Did it say they left some things? It says they left everything. Let's say everything together. Everything. They left everything and followed Jesus. And you see, it's not that he's just asking you to give something up. He has more that they didn't just leave everything and go do something else on their own. They left everything and followed Jesus. That's an important point. He's not calling you into nothing. He's calling you into more than you could ever imagine. Now, they left everything. And what did that include? It included their nets. The very thing that represented to each one of them provision. It represented security. Their nets represented their future. They left everything, including the nets. When he calls you, he calls you to leave everything that you think is going to give you security, but really you realize you can't count on it. He asks you to leave that so you can be really secure eternally in him. People are going to come and go. The Lord is always going to be there. He wants you to leave your nets, but not just to quit working, but to start following because he has more, so much more. Uh, you know, uh, Sharon and I did this. Uh, we were both doing well. She was a paralegal at one of the biggest law firms in Houston. And uh, I was in management with Allstate and the regional level. And uh, then the Lord said, tells me, you ought to be a preacher. And uh, well, I didn't even know how you became a preacher. I didn't know what seminary. I'd heard people talk about seminary. I didn't know what seminary was. I got the impression you dressed up in a monk garb of some sort and translated old passages. And they rang bells every few minutes and everybody got up and chanted or something. I had no idea what I was getting into. None whatsoever. And yet I had to tell the Lord, yes, even though I didn't know what I was getting into. I sure didn't do it for uh, security in this world. At that point in time, uh, retirement in the United Methodist Church was $60 per year per service year. If you do the math on that, that comes out to $2,400 a year. That's what I looked up. That's what I was going to have for retirement. So uh, you can tell Sharon and I didn't do this for financial gain. We did it because we knew it was going to please the Lord. And our adventure began when we started obeying him. It started whenever the Lord prompted Sharon that she'd gotten off on the wrong track and needed to get back being the, the person that he called her to be. And I was about the biggest heathen in the world in her eyes. And he called, he told her that he needed to, 
that she needed to tell tell me something. And so she she did it. She did it in obedience. She told me, Joel, one of these days, the Lord's going to come back and the kids and I are going to go up and meet him in the air. And she left me out of that picture. And it really ticked me off. And I said, well, you just really think you're hot stuff, don't you? You're going to go to heaven and I'm going to go to hell is what you're saying. And with a heart of love, she said, unless you repent. But she said it. It was hard for me to hear love at that point, (laughs) I must say. But that's what she did. And she did it in obedience to the Lord. And that set things in motion. And I'm not going to go through all the other details of it, but it wound up bringing me to the point, I will say, I festered under her judgmentalism for three months. And I told her, I got mad then. I told her, don't ever talk to me about religion again. It's one of the few areas where we disagree. And if you can't keep quiet about this stuff, you must be some sort of religious nut. And I don't be married to a religious nut. And I'm going to leave you if you keep talking about this stuff. And she did the good thing. She just got quiet. And so every time I'd see her, she thinks I'm going to hell. She thinks she's better than I am. And I would just think all this stuff. But it got me to thinking, wait a minute, what do I really believe? And that's when I realized I didn't know what I believed. And that's what brought me to the point where I decided I needed to find out if there really was a God or not. And brought me to the place where I prayed that prayer. God, if you're real, let me know. And uh, then he answered that prayer. Let me know he was real. And then let me know what he wanted me to do with the rest of my life. And then when it came time for me sitting there with Sharon, big Christian sitting over here in the corner and me, biggest heathen in the world in the eyes of her, I was going to have to tell her what the Lord told me in obedience. And I was getting ready to not do that. Whenever Sharon spoke and she was reading her Bible and she said, you see what it says here? It was in James where it says, you say you believe God is one. You do well. The demons believe also and tremble. And he made it. And I I, I said, yeah, just think about stuff like that last night. I was thinking, but there are people sitting in church pews all over the world every Sunday morning that hope that they're going to go to heaven. And they're trying to do it, but nobody's giving them the truth. Nobody's telling them because I was one of those people that sat in church and never really heard the gospel. And so uh, I was I was talking about myself and I said, and it's so sad. Their church is filled with people and they're all sitting there hoping they're going to heaven while they're on their way to hell because they haven't made a place for Jesus. They haven't made a place for the cross, which Jesus has paid so much for. Anyway, she looked up and she was crying and she said, Joel, you're supposed to be a minister. And I hadn't mentioned it to her. And so all I could do was step back and say, well, yeah, how did you find out? I didn't know if I'd been talking in my sleep that night or what, but uh, it turns out that he had prepared her. He prepared me concurrently, yet separately, and then brought us together to this point to where we were ready and willing to lay down our nets, 
whatever there was in our past that we thought we could count on, lay it down and follow him. We gave our two weeks notice the next week. Six weeks later, I was in seminary and we were on our way and we had nothing. We had to sell everything that we had and get cash in everything to start back in seminary. And so we started from scratch the second time together, but this time in a new life, in a life following the Lord. And so I understand what they said whenever it says they left everything. The only thing we have left of what we started out with the second time is a credenza. That's it. That's the only thing left. Oh, and, and, and two kids. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Yeah. So anyway, that's the only thing that we have left from our time before. But uh, anyway, I just love this. From now on, he's saying what you've done with your life. I'm going to use those same skills to give you a higher calling. I knew medicine. I knew law. I knew construction at all different levels. I knew the oil business. I, I had learned it all handling insurance claims at high levels, products, liability and all. All of that stuff he has used in ministry. I understand just about any occupation y'all have. I know something about it because of I used to have to dig through all this stuff in order to get my job. He took what I had from my past and he redeemed it and made it something better and uses it for so much more. And so it is with you. Now, why were they able to do this was because they trusted him and he had shown that his word was true. This is the season of Advent. And Advent is when we remember that Jesus promised he was going to come. And then he promised and he came. And now he's promised he's going to come back. And we live in this in-between time now. And uh, as we're living in this in-between time, the Lord wants to be continually coming into your life. And there are different areas of your life, if you're honest, that you haven't laid down yet. There are nets that you haven't laid down. And he's asking you this Advent season to lay down your nets and follow him. Every day, we should be giving as much of ourselves as we know to as much of God as we understand. And this means that when the Lord shows us an area of our lives that we haven't surrendered to him, that we haven't laid down, when he shows you a net that you haven't laid down, he's calling you to an obedience. Lay it down. You don't have to understand before you lay it down. It may be bitterness. It may be a prejudice. It may be a habit that is sinful. It may just be a nagging worry. It may be some experience that you've had in your past that you've just never been able to let go of and it has dominated your life up till right now. Well, let me tell you, in that area, the Lord is doing the same thing for you that he did for Peter and for the young ruler and millions of others through the ages. He is inviting you once more to trust him.
And if you will, you will see miracles in your life. Your life will become one of exciting anticipation of what the Lord is going to do next. I would love to see this church be a place where every time we come together, somebody is sharing what the Lord's done in their life this past week that was such a shock and so wonderful. And it can be if you will lay down your nets that he's calling you to lay down. Because once you do that, he's going to get to work in you and through you. (sighs) Will you do that? If you will, the portals of heaven are going to open up. And this is not new. The old hymn testifies to what I'm saying, and you have sung it so many, many times. But we never can prove the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay. For the favor he shows, for the joy he bestows, or for them who will trust and obey. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.